Good morning, Menlo. It's good to see your faces. Missed you. Um, I'm Cheryl. I'm one of the pastors here at Menlo Church, and it is good to be get together if you're with us online. So glad to have you with us. Um, we are jumping into a new series that we've entitled Hearing God. And I have to tell you, I have never heard God audibly. Uh, but I do believe that God has spoken to me. And I believe that God wants to speak to us. And when I think about the times that I have heard God speak to me, and there's been a number of them over the years, a couple kind of stand out to me. One, I was, when I graduated from college, I started working for a ministry. And I was w meeting with a mentor and she was kind of helping me follow Jesus and um, all the things and ministry and all that. And I shared with her that I just felt like it was time for me to leave this ministry and pursue some other career opportunities. And I remember she said to me, she said, well, you know, I'll pray with you and we can walk through the, some process of discernment. But I want to encourage you as you pray I, wanna, I, I would love for you to, to have your answer from God, if you will. I would love to see God speak to you through his word, through the Bible. And that made sense. And so I was leaving her house, I remember, and I, and I, had the, I was thinking about that. And I had this thought, and I'm like, I could probably get the Bible to say whatever I want it to say, right? <laughs> Let's be honest. So... Went back the next week for my meeting with her, and I told her that. I said, I, I just kind of feel like I could get the Bible to say whatever I wanted to say. And she said, well, you could, because you can. Um, but I'm going to trust you in a sense. She kind of said, you know, I, I, that you're going to be praying, that we're going to walk this process out together, that you have wise counsel around you, we'll seek discernment. Um, and it could take some time. And sure enough, I think it was probably... Uh, three months later, and I'd, we'd been walking through this process, and I'd been praying and all those things. Well, um, one evening, I just couldn't sleep, and so I pulled out my Bible, and I'm reading through it, and I started, I'm reading through the Psalms, which is, you know, a book of prayers and in the Bible, and I come to Psalm 37, and it says this, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. And I might have read that verse at other times in this three, four months of discernment. But in that moment, there was this, there's just this, I know that I know that I know that God is speaking to me in this and through this passage. And God is inviting me to dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. God was inviting me to stay, and so I did. I stayed with that ministry for many more years, and I would tell you that that uh, decision has marked so much of my life. There was another time uh, in my life when I was, I was just dealing with some hard things, um, Things I was praying for, things I was hoping for just weren't coming about. Um, I'd experienced some real heartbreak and some betrayal. And, uh, and I was kind of just, I was feeling like I was failing at everything. 
And I can remember I was in my office, I was working for a church at the time, and I was in my office and I was praying and I just got up and I walked upstairs um, above our offices was the room of the ministry that I helped lead. And I went up into that room and I just sat, I sat down and I was just, just there. And I hear, not audibly, but it probably closest I've ever experienced. I heard these words, I see you. And it was, it really, it came over me in such a way that I actually turned around and looked in the room because it was a pretty large room and it was dark and I hadn't turned the lights on. And I kind of thought maybe somebody had walked in and they didn't want to freak me out, you know, like, I see you. Uh, but no one was there. And I just sat with those words that I believed to be from God. I see you. Another moment in my life was I had spoken on a retreat out in the Texas Hill Country and I was driving back to my home in Austin at that time and I had turned off, um, turned off the music and I was praying and just kind of driving along uh, and on that retreat I had been I had spoken on surrender. How do we surrender as we follow Jesus and Jesus' invitation to surrender? And so I turned off the radio, I'm praying, and what I sensed, what I heard, if you will, was, will you surrender? Nice talk, Cheryl, but will you <laughs> surrender? And... I, I, I took that and I began a conversation with the Lord about it and just started praying out loud in my car and from outside of Fredericksburg, Texas to my house in Austin, I, uh, I just began to give over to God things that I felt like maybe I was holding on to too tightly and things that I was clinging to and things that I felt like maybe he was inviting me to surrender. And that moment led, long story, but led me to leave my beloved Austin and move to Los Angeles, right? God spoke to me. He spoke to me through the scripture. He spoke to me um, through a word of comfort. He spoke to me through a question that was convicting, right? It's interesting to me that Jesus, when he describes his relationship with those who follow him, he gives this picture, right? Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and you're my sheep. And he says this about his sheep in John chapter 10. Jesus says that he's the good shepherd and he says his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They know his voice. How do we hear God's voice? And how do we know it's his voice, right? That's what we're gonna be looking at for the next few weeks together. Because we do believe that God speaks to us. We believe that he speaks to you. That God wants to speak to you and he wants to tell you who you are. He wants to speak to you and he wants to tell you who he is. 
And he wants to speak in to what is unique to you, your journey, your needs, what you're facing today. So I'm glad that you're with us. I hope you'll stick with us for the next few weeks. And I want to say this, if you are kind of, if you're on a journey of faith and you're not even quite sure about this Christian thing and the hearing God thing feels a little like, woohoo, um, I hope you'll, you'll lean in. Because what I would hope for you is if you're checking out faith, if you're checking out Jesus, I hope what you would discover is a God who is infinite. The God who created the cosmos, right, is also intimate. He's a God who's come near. And he's a God who wants to have an interactive relationship with you, okay? Now, I know some of you are excited about this series. You've told me so. You've read Dallas Willard's book, Hearing God, and, and um, you want to go deeper, and you're, you're thrilled to enter into this. Um, you, maybe a couple people have told me, this is a question I've wondered about. Like, what does God speak, and how do you hear that, and, and all those things. But I would imagine that there are some of you who might be a little worried, right? Is Menlo going to get weird? Are we going to adopt some strange mysticism, diverge from scripture, start walking around telling everybody God told me, God told me to tell you, um, all those things? Well, we probably are a little weird anyway, but we're hopefully not going to get weird in that way, right? And I know that people have been wounded by people saying to them, God told me, or God said this. And so we don't want to go down that path. So this is how we're going to approach the topic of hearing God. We're going to do a few things. One, we're going to avoid the extremes, okay? Secondly, we're going to hold on to some guardrails that we're going to talk about today. And third, we're going to practice prayer as conversation. And we're going to grow in that together. So first, I want to talk about avoiding the extremes. Now, there's probably other extremes that we could go to, but the two that come to my mind is one extreme is the Bible-only approach, right? And this says that God only speaks through the Bible, no nudges, no whispers, no still small voice. It has to come straight from the Bible, the problem with this approach is that we can misinterpret the Bible, right? We can manipulate the Bible. We have to be aware of that. I do believe that God will never say anything that contradicts the Bible. But if we don't have room for the nudges of the Spirit... If we don't have room for the conviction of the Spirit applied to our unique circumstances and place, then I believe the Bible will become a static book of information. It can become a place of arrogance. We can use it as a tool to wield against people. Rather than seeing the scripture as a living testament to transform us, to speak to us of the beauty of God, 
to take us on a journey of change and transformation. So we want to avoid the Bible-only approach, but I would also say we want to avoid what I'm calling the hyper-spiritual approach, okay? This is the approach that is filled with lots of God told me, God said, I know, God said this. It's the approach that looks for signs in every corner. Um, Always everything's a sign from God. The hyper-spiritual approach, I think, can teeter on the edge of superstition. It relies more on feeling than fact and reason. The hyper-spiritual approach loves a good formula. And it was interesting to me as I was preparing for this, um, I read through the book of Acts in one sitting. It's, it's often helpful to read a book of the Bible if you can in one sitting because you get the bigger, fuller picture of it. And the book of Acts is the story of the early church and how God built his church. And as I was reading through it, I was recording every time God spoke, in a sense, every time God Led, And I recorded over 45 explicit expressions from God of comfort, guidance, warning, truth, um, coming from multiple different ways. In the book of Acts, this is what I recorded. God spoke through scripture, which would be our Old Testament, but that was their scripture. Um, God spoke through scripture, through prophets, through prophecy through Jesus' voice, through angels, dreams, and visions, persecution. Now, I don't necessarily think God brought the persecution, but he used it over and over with that community to move them into mission with him. God spoke through the community of believers to one another. And of course, God the Holy Spirit, it says in the book of Acts, God the Holy Spirit said, told, compelled, forbid, did not allow, urged. So there was no formula for the early church. It wasn't just scripture, it wasn't just visions, it wasn't just prophecy, it wasn't just community. It was God speaking, guiding, comforting, urging his people through a variety of means. So if we operate from the Bible-only approach or the hyper-spiritual approach, I want to suggest that we will miss God. We will miss the interactive relationship with God that we were created for. We will miss his truth. We will miss being with him. So we don't want to live in the extremes, so we need some guardrails. So you could add to this list, here's my four. (laughs) Four guardrails that are gonna guide us as we look into what does it mean to hear God. The first is scripture, for sure, and we're gonna talk about that next week, so that's all I'm gonna say about it. You gotta come back. Scripture is a guardrail. The second is mentors. Biblically saturated, praying, Jesus-following friends. And in two weeks, we're going to talk about how do we find those kind of people and how do we become those kind of people, okay? So again, that's all I'm going to say about that, scripture and mentors. And then the third, and this should be a guardrail in everything that we do and how we live as followers of Christ, humility, right? 
but certainly when it comes to hearing God. I would just say this. Let's not be a community who says, God told me. (laughs) Humility, I think, says, I sense. I sense God has said to me. But let's test that together. Would you come alongside and help me with discernment? Humility would say, I might be wrong, right? 1 John 4.1 says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world, and they have, and they're in our churches, right? Humility seeks truth. Humility always loves Humility doesn't have to share what we've heard from the Lord. Humility is willing to just hold it, to pray over it, to allow it to guide our prayers. But we don't have to be the person, oh, I knew, I knew, I knew, God told me, God told me, I knew. No. So a guardrail that's really important is that of humility. Scripture mentors in humility. And then the fourth is this, the character of God. The character of God. God's voice will never contradict his character as revealed in Scripture, right? And as we get to know him, that's why we get to know his voice more and more as we get to know him. The more you know someone, right? If you know someone really well, they don't even have to introduce themselves on a phone call, right? They're not like, hello, I'm your mother. My name is Janet, da, 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 da. No, you're like, hey, mom, you know, because you know her voice. God's voice will never contradict his character, And there's so much in scripture that helps us to understand that. Here's an example. Romans 8.1 tells us one of my favorite passages of scripture. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God's voice will never be condemning. If you hear condemnation, that is not God's voice. I believe that God's voice will align with what we know as the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, right? That God's voice will be a voice of love, a voice of joy, peace, patience. It will be kind. It will be good. It will be faithful. It will be gentle. It will have self-control, even when it is convicting, even when his voice is challenging, This is the character of God. So we need those guardrails of scripture, mentors, humility, the character of God. Because when we enter into prayer, we know prayer to be a conversation, right? Prayer is a conversation. The author Pete Gregg says, prayer is a living conversation with a loving God, which means that we must listen as well as talk. So often my prayer life has been a talking at God, right? I come to God with my list of things for him to do, tasks for him to accomplish, people and circumstances for him to change. But I want to learn to listen. 
I want prayer to be a conversation. So, during this sermon series, um, our formation practice uh, during this series is going to be listening prayer. And we have all kinds of resources we'd love for you to use individually or use them with your life group or both. Um, if you go to menlo.church slash hearing God, you'll find all kinds of resources on hearing God, on listening prayer. So I want to encourage you to head over there. Um, and we do the formation practices, not just for the sake of doing formation practices, but because we want to be formed into the likeness of Jesus. We want to become like him. And Jesus prayed, right? Jesus prayed a lot. And when I first became a Christian, that was really confusing to me. When I first started reading the Bible, um, and I see Jesus praying, and I'm kind of like, if Jesus is God, who's he praying to, right? I pray in the name of me, for the sake of me, in my name, amen, right? Like, what's he doing? But as I came to understand more and more of the God, the Christian God, the uniqueness of our Christian faith is that we believe in a God who is Trinity. Now, this is complex, and I don't have time to unpack it all, um, but we believe in a God who is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, he is three persons and yet one. And so what I came to understand that when Jesus prays, he, he's doing what he has done for all eternity, right? He's been in eternal conversation, eternal relationship, talking with, listening to God the Father, God the Spirit in this conversation. And what I love is that the scripture tells us that not only did Jesus pray, he continues to pray today, right? And one of the things that Jesus says about himself in the Gospel of John, and he says it multiple times in different ways and places, Jesus says, um, I only do what the Father tells me to do, right? I only say what the Father has given me to say. Well, how did he know what to do and how did he know what to say? He knew through conversation with the Father because prayer is conversation. Prayer is conversation. So here's what this looks like for us. This is what I want for us this week, okay? This week, just one time, just do this once. This is what this looks like for us. It looks like God meeting us in a quiet moment of reflection. God wants to meet you in a quiet moment of reflection. It doesn't, you don't have to go to a mountaintop. You don't have to spend days. You just might do this with your morning coffee. You might do it late at night with a bowl of ice cream. Maybe it could happen during a midday walk when you leave your house or your cubicle and you do a little loop around the block. Maybe you're a teacher or you're a student and you get to school 10 minutes early and you just sit in your car or you go sit on a bench. So, what's going to be your time this week? You got it? With your coffee tomorrow morning? 
after Netflix on Tuesday night? When's your time? Got it? Okay. Um, and here's what I want you to do in that time. Ten minutes. Ten minutes. I want us to pause, ask, and listen. Pause, ask, and listen. Easy to remember, pal. Pause, ask, and listen. Pause and acknowledge God's presence with you. God is everywhere present, but we can't see him. And so, as Eugene Peterson would say, use your sanctified imagination. Acknowledge what is true. He is present with you. Pause long enough to acknowledge, God, I know you're here. I know you're here. And if it helps to use that sanctified imagination to picture him with you. Pause and picture God with you. Acknowledge his presence. Then ask. Now for me, these are the questions that I typically ask. Oftentimes I begin with a passage of scripture or something like that. And I've paused and I ask, God, what do you want to say to me? What do you want me to see? What do you want me to do? I often will also do this on a walk in my neighborhood, right? And just say, God, what do you want to say to me? Pause, ask, and then listen. Now, this is the hard part for me. Some of y'all are awesome at this. But um, the being quiet, the letting God speak. So a number of years ago, I wanted to grow in listening prayer. And so I started with a little timer. I'd sit out on my porch in Pasadena, and um, I put, started with my, a timer on my phone, but you know the problem with phones, right? Y'all know? Okay, just make, checking. Um, <laughs> they have notifications, they have things that pop up, all that. So I had to get rid of the phone, uh, cannot have the phone with me during my quiet time of reflection. So I got a little egg timer, no joke. And um, I started with the one minute, and I would just put it there. And I say, I'm just, Lord, I'm going to sit, and I just want to listen. And so often I didn't hear anything. I just want you all to know that. <laughs> but then I did, right? And then I got a three-minute egg timer. And then I got a five-minute, because you can get those on Amazon. So... <laughs> So, as you listen, what I, what, what I would do, some, if you're a journaler, maybe you write down what you hear. That's what I do. I just kind of start writing down things that I hear. And if it seems to really resonate, I'll, I'll circle it or whatever. Um, but if, if you're not a journaler, maybe it's just that to sit and hold it and take that to be your conversation with God. And then the next, we would add an O, we would add a obey, but, but that, that does require discernment, and that requires conversation listening. So um, we'll talk more about that in this series as we go forward. So here's what, what we want to do today. Uh, we're going to do this practice together um, because we're going to come to this table. And so often in the church, this is called communion because what's accomplished by Christ 
when he brought about what happens at this table is the ability for us to commune with God. That's what Jesus accomplishes through his life and his death and his resurrection. We get a full access pass to commune with God. And so, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna come to this table. When you came in, you should have gotten a little, little thingy. Do you have it? <laughs> Your little communion thing. Go ahead and grab that. On, uh, on one end is, the, is the, um, the bread and the other is the drink, okay? And we're gonna slow down. And we're gonna do this together. So I want you to take this We'll start with the bread. Um, On the night that Jesus was betrayed, as he was heading to the cross, he pulled his friends together and he took bread and he broke it. And he took a cup and he invited them to drink it. And so what we're going to do is go ahead and place that cracker in your hand, but don't take it just yet. Just put it in your hand and hold it. And I want us to hear the words of Jesus. And then we're gonna pause, and we're gonna ask, and we're gonna listen, okay? So here are the words, before you take, here are the words of Jesus on that night with his friends. He said, this is my body, broken, for you. This is my body broken that you might be whole. Pause. Ask him to speak to you and we'll listen.